Hi, this is Tika, and you're listening to the Sega Lounge. Welcome to the Sega Lounge, a podcast dedicated to our love for all things Sega, be it the games, the music, or the community. I'm KC. In each episode, I'll be talking to different guests and sharing their projects and their passion for Sega. Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Sega Lounge. Thank you so much for listening. We've got a great show this week, and since this is basically a Portuguese episode with both myself and my guests hailing from this beautiful little piece of land, I think it's about time we catch up with where people are listening to this show from in a segment I like to call The Great Battle of Lounge Listening Countries 2020. Our top three remains pretty much the same, with Sweden at number three, the UK at number two, and the US at number one. So I think it's much more interesting to acknowledge and say hello to some of the newer countries that were invaded by the Sega Lounge podcast. In no particular order, let's say hello to Nigeria, Panama, Greece, Denmark, and Kuwait. That's pretty awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I hope everyone's safe wherever you are in the world. I'll check back in a few weeks and see what other nations we have reached. And now... Back to your regularly scheduled podcast episode. This week I'm joined by Gonçalo Tordo, aka Stika, with a one instead of an I. He is a Portuguese YouTuber who caught my eye because of the detailed nature of his videos on both retro games and newer games being released for older consoles. As you learned from our conversation, a lot of research goes into his videos and that's one of the aspects that I appreciate in Stika's Retro Corner. He's got a pretty interesting background as a gamer and he seems to be a pretty knowledgeable person. But can he get the Sega Lounge seal of approval? Keep listening to find out. Hello Stika, welcome to the Sega Lounge. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you today? I'm pretty good. What about you, David? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, especially because I, I think this is the first time that I have a, a, a main guest that is just like me, a Portuguese person. So maybe we'll just do the, the rest of the interview in Portuguese and let everyone wondering what we're talking about. Yes, we are an underrated people, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're here uh, to talk a little bit about your YouTube channel. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. get into that in a bit, but let's start with uh, a brief introduction. So would you like to tell us uh, how you got into uh, video games, uh, what you, were your first games, your first platforms, and mm-hmm. all that? Well, it, that that is a bit of an interesting story. Maybe not for fellow Portuguese. It, it, my, maybe mine is similar, similar to yours. Um, but I've always thought it was interesting that, in my opinion, our gaming history differs quite a lot from what I've seen from the United States, Canada, the UK, even France or, or other similar nations. 
Um, for example, uh, while many were playing either on the NES, uh, Portugal was very heavy on the Master System, but that wasn't even my first console. My first console, and a lot of my friends, was a family game, which was an 8-bit clone of the NES, completely unofficial. But now here's the thing. The console was sold on, on retail stores as if it were an official product, and it cost about, well, it I, I was going to say it cost about as much as an actual console, but it was slightly cheaper than an NES, but still pretty expensive. Like, compared to today, it would have cost like maybe 150, 200 euro if I were to like do a very rough comparison. Um, so I had that very unusual start for, 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 for the rest of the world. But yeah. a lot of my friends began in a similar manner. They had uh, their own NES clones as they were pretty popular here. Yeah. Uh, the, those who, who, whose parents were a bit more willing, willing to spend more money would get them either an NES or a master system or maybe an 8-bit computer. But, but that is how I started. Um, the cool thing about it was that it had 40, 42 Famicom games in its memory. And yes, I do mean Famicom. They were the Japanese versions. Yeah. Um, though they were mostly like very early Famicom games. We're talking like the original Super Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers, the arcade game in the in the Famicom version. Uh, I had one of the Donkey Kong games. I believe it was Donkey Kong Three. Um, a bunch of arcade games I was not I did not know. Um, I had Joust, Pole Position, very early Famicom games. Did it have and, Contra yeah. as well? No, uh, it didn't. Though my friends yeah. did. Now, my, mine was apparently the, the earlier model, which did not have oh. Contra. Some of, some of those later uh, uh, bootlegs did come with Contra, but not mine, sadly. Yeah, because I, I remember I had a friend, my best friend, mm -hmm. ha actually had one of those, uh, mm -hmm. which were, mm -hmm. were very popular at the time, just like you said. And I remember uh, we played Contra a lot on that. Oh, yeah. It came in, in the, 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 the console's memory. So, exactly. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing about it is that when, when you and I say we played Contra, we really do mean Contra, not Probotector. As, yeah. as it was a Japanese version, so it was completely uncensored. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so that was your, your first experience was with uh, the amazing family game. <laughs> yes. I, st I still have it with me. It still works, actually. I took very good care of it. Uh, I think last week or two weeks ago, I was talking to, to a friend, uh, and mm -hmm. I uh, actually remember that specific console that my other friend had and I remember uh, in a shopping mall near my house mm -hmm. there was a store that sold um, a lot of those uh, I think bootleg cartridges I don't think yes. they were official uh, yes. many of them with like 20 40 games so yes completely bootleg uh, completely and... bootleg and I remember there was a, the door of that store was mm -hmm. filled uh, top to bottom with loads of those cartridges. Some were yellow, yes. some were red, yes. I think. So amazing. Yellow was the most common color. And yes, those were bootleg cartridges. I have, they, they're shaped like Japanese Famicom cartridges. Exactly. So I, I have no idea if they run on a, on a Famicom or if my family game actually runs Famicom games because the console works, but the cartridge slot doesn't. Uh, it, 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 it's an old system. It, it got pretty used, uh, abused by me when I was a kid. So <laughs> the cartridge port uh, is is, is, is broken. You um, should try to get that fixed, and uh, that's a good a good concept for a future video. I've tried actually, but 
it is kind of difficult to find people who would know how to work on this system because there's no uh, no documentation for it. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so it mm-hmm. it became a bit difficult. Um, but the other cool thing is that um, there was a a kiosk near where, where I lived. They, they basically just sold like magazines, newspapers, you know, um, school material, whatever. But they also had a bunch of those uh, Famiclone cartridges, for either for sale <laughs> or for rent. Which is yeah, okay, you're, you know Ooh. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like they, that, for those who don't know, this this sort of thing was very common in our in our country back then. Um, so, so basically, you could rent like a game for 100 escudos a day, which roughly translates to 50 cents. So, yeah. 50 cents of a year, I mean. So mm-hmm. like so like five days would would mean two and a half euro and that's how I got to play like Mario three Mario two Mario one the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles they also had a lot of those um, pirated NES games you sometimes see on YouTube like say a Sonic gaming on on, on the NES yeah or Street <laughs> Fighter two for the I, I played like four different versions of Street Fighter for the NES all of them bootleg of course. <laughs> Amazing. Those were simpler but very interesting times. <laughs> Indeed. And and then sometime later, and, and this is what I think also helped round out my, my general gaming experience. Uh my dad, my, my father, he bought a a a computer for, for, for his for his job for work. It was an 386 IBM, I believe, IBM compatible. And he bought it for work, but as you can imagine, me and my brother use a lot, a lot for games. <laughs> and that also introduced me to PC gaming, which, of course, all of my games were prior to that. I, I don't think I ever bought a PC game back then, even though I had like tons of them. So on one hand, I had my console experience. On the other hand, I had my PC experience where I played games uh, like uh, point-and-click adventure games, strategy games, uh, Western RPGs. And generally, that's how I learned the English language as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, we actually did learn a lot of English from, from games. We did. I, I have a. I, I used to have a friend back in in fifth grade. Uh, he learned English um, from playing a Resident Evil, I believe. <laughs> and and for me, it, it was playing. It was playing Dune for the for the PC, the first Dune game, mm-hmm. and Dune, not, not Doom. The, the yeah, the, Dune. The, yeah, yeah, based on the on the book. And a point-and-click adventure game called The Legend of Kyrandia 2, which was like with, with this blonde girl or whatever. Like it was completely in English. And like I remember the first time I played it, I could only like make out like bits and pieces of each sentence. As you know, point and click point and click adventure games are very, very text heavy, very dialogue mm-hmm. heavy. So it's like a character I, I, I distinctly remember when I played the game a, a, a few years later, by the time I was already an adult. That oh man, I remember reading this line and like only understanding half of it. Like um, a care, like I was reading like the this the this the girl's spell book as she's a witch, and like um, I could only make out like half of the ingredients. Like I, I was like seven years old or six years old, whatever. I'm like okay, and I was like <laughs> okay, orange. Okay, orange is probably or orange the fruit. It's probably a orange, uh, an orange fruit, but. What the heck is a, a stump or a gnar or a or a, a gnar a gnarly tree? What's a what's a gnarly tree? I'm like, like just <laughs> I, I just played like like blind for for like months as a kid. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that that's a great experience. <clears throat> I I shared that experience as well. 
That's great. So, in in uh, did you ever get the the Sega consoles as a kid, or just believe later? it or not, I did not. I got them later. Um, basically, even though I had the, I had the NES the, the NES clone, uh, my parents really didn't like me or my brother playing games. They they basically thought that they were a waste of time. That we should focus on school, that sort of thing. And um, but I did play a lot of Super Nintendo and Mega Drive on, on, on with friends, as thankfully I had friends who had one or the other, and it was very common to have uh, long play sessions at their houses. Or when they came to my house, I was the friend with the computer, so they, they didn't have a computer, so they would play they would play games like Wolfenstein 3D, for example. So we I did play a lot of Mega Drive and Super Nintendo that way, and Master System, of course, and later the Sega Saturn. Uh, the Dreamcast I actually didn't play until I was a full adult by then, which I, I bought it years after the console died. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I now own every Sega console, but I've bought them as an adult. As a kid, I used to think Nintendo was better. I was, I was one of the, I was in the minority back then, <gasps> as, mo as most kids were Sega fans. <laughs> but then as I grew up, I started playing a lot of emulators, like a lot of emulators. Like I started playing. Literally every emulator I could find, I played like hundreds of NES games, Super Nintendo games, and then eventually I was like, okay, let's go try the, the the Genesis or the Mega Drive or the Master System, and I was in shock. I was like, oh my god, these these games are way better than I remember. Like, I remember thinking like, I don't know, Final Fight was a better game, but then when you play, even the original Streets of Rage, even even if the graphics are worse. The game is so much better. The, the gameplay is better. Uh, the music is better. The, the moves are more satisfying. And, you know, I just kind of fell in love with, with, with Sega and, and Sega's quirkiness. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's an interesting take on, on the, the whole thing. Because, as you said, uh, in Portugal and in mm -hmm. other parts of Europe, many people were Sega fans. So that's mm -hmm. a different experience. And that's, that's always nice to have people here with different experiences. Uh, and that's the end of our interview because you didn't play Sega as a kid, so bye-bye. Uh, well, goodbye, I'm, folks. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that, that's a different perspective on, on Sega games as well, right? When you uh, start playing them as, a, as an adult or later mm -hmm. in your life, you get a different and a fresh hey, perspective, I think. I, I did play them a lot as a kid. Like, like uh, this is probably something yeah. kids, kids that aren't used to, but... Even back then, we, we would actually lend the consoles to our friends. Like, yeah. I had a friend who lent me his own Mega Drive and several games for like three weeks or four weeks or maybe even a month, and 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 they would lend, and they would lend their Super Nintendo to someone else. Like this, this sort of trading was very common. And mm -hmm. I remember getting addicted to Sonic Three Plus Knuckles, uh, loving RoboCop versus Terminator. Even as a kid, I loved that game. Still do. Hating Terminator Two, which was awful. <laughs> um, then when a friend of mine lent me a Super Nintendo, I played a lot of uh, Ultimate Mortal Kombat. No, wait, wait, Mortal Kombat 3? Ultimate, I think it was Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Not sure which one was on the Super Nintendo. Um, played a lot of Killer Instinct, uh, Contra, uh, Probotector actually, Probotector. Um, Castlevania 4 as well. So it, it was it was pretty interesting in that regard. But, but yeah, the, the consoles weren't mine. Eventually I had to give them away and uh, give them back, I mean. And, mo and most of my time was spent uh, playing the, the my computer and sometime later the Game Boy. Okay, interesting, yeah. Uh, did you ever uh, play the Game Gear? <clears throat> yes, I played the Game Gear. Like, 
I remember being very jealous of my friends who had one. Like I had I had a Game Boy because my brother wanted one, my older brother. Um and like, you know, like the first game we got was a Star Trek game, which he chose and I hated it. I still think it's not a particularly great game, but I've learned to appreciate it, I, I suppose. <laughs> my second game was Metroid 2, which I also did not like at the time. I wanted something like Contra or R-Type or whatever. Was it too not, slow? It or... was it was too confusing for me. I was always getting oh. lost. And like I I, I was I was not at that age where I was rap. I was still like maybe in, in second grade or third, maybe fourth grade, not sure. I, I, I'm going to be a little bit iffy on the dates here. Um, yeah. But I think I'm, at most I was in fourth grade. It was still too confusing for me. Yeah, too, too um, much backtracking. And, yeah, exactly. Right. I, wanted, I wanted to shoot people and then fly spaceships and destroy spaceships and whatever. <laughs> and like and then like this friend of mine had the game gear and, and we, we were always playing uh, Desert Strike. I'm like, oh. oh my God, this is amazing. It's in color. It looks great. It's so good. It's backlit. Yeah. I, I didn't have a, a Game Gear as well, uh, mm-hmm. or either. So so I didn't have a Game Gear or uh, a Game Boy. But my, oh, I think two of my friends had a Game Gear. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one of them especially, I, I spent some time with him. And uh, I remember playing Sonic 2, I believe. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, very hard. Uh, it's actually harder on the on the Game Gear than it, it is on the on the on the Master System. Yeah, yeah, because of the the screen size makes yeah, it harder. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. but I I loved how it looked. So mm-hmm. amazing, amazing. Yeah, like like uh, graphics was amazing, and also my dad um he had both like a a universal uh power charger which worked on the Game Boy, but also on the Game Gear. So that mean that meant we couldn't play without using batteries. We just You know, plug the power charge onto onto a power outlet, uh, uh, insert the right voltage settings or polarity settings or whatever, and bam, you were playing Game Gear or Game Boy anytime you wanted without wasting batteries. It was, it was amazing. Awesome. That's great. Because you, those were batteries yes. <laughs> eaters, either, it, <laughs> especially either, the Game Gear. <laughs> yeah, but either one of those were, were, were terrible at battery consumption. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward. <laughs> uh, to a, a few years ago, and mm-hmm. you started your YouTube channel. First of all, why? I, I say a few years ago. That's what I think. <laughs> Maybe that's that's not the, the well, reality. It is a few years. I I I I, be, I started my channel in 2016, July 2016. Mm-hmm. In fact, in a couple of months, it's going to be its fourth anniversary. Yeah. Um. Now, why? Well, the first thing is, uh, back in 2007 or eight. I became a huge fan of the of the that fair that was the the video game YouTuber. You know, I watched a lot of Angry Video Game Nerd. Uh, I watched a lot of um, uh, other YouTubers like the the Spoonie Experiment, or um, a lot of YouTubers whose names have now been have now been mostly forgotten to, to to by history. Like I could say names like Jedi or 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 God, I don't know. I can't even remember most of them anymore. Like. <laughs> People who basically basically have have long since deleted their channels basically, um, and I really enjoyed it. I, I learned a lot about the videos. I I, I I thought they were funny. They were educational, but but I noticed something as um as I was watching them, and that is a lot of YouTubers, uh, even today, but especially back then, they they were very Nintendo centric, very United States centric. 
even the British ones seemed to to adapt towards a more American audience, I suppose. And that always kind of bothered me because I was like, okay, you guys are talking a lot about the NES, but you do know the Master System is pretty great, right? Or the Mega, or the Mega Drive, or the Sega Saturn, or PC with MS DOS, or the or Amiga. Like, there's a lot of really good stuff out there, and you get to a point where you're like, okay, guys, I get it. The Guardian Legend is a good game, or Legend of Zelda is a good game, or Batman for the NES is a good game. I don't need another video on this. It's it's I've already seen like fifty other YouTubers talk about this. Let, let's let's try something else. Why don't we talk about say Power Strike Two on the Master System? Why don't why don't we talk about Shadow Run on the Mega Drive? Why don't we talk about uh, let's say Torico on this on the Sega Saturn? Like there's there's all of these great games, all, all of this world of video gaming that you guys are not exploring or or that I feel that you're feel like you're being maybe perhaps a bit too 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 narrow in your field of view. And another thing that bothered me is that when they did cover those games, it was always with, with a lot of caveats, like, oh yeah, this game on the Master System, it's like this game on the NES, but not as good. <laughs> oh, this game on the Mega on the, on the Sega Genesis, it's like this game on the Super Nintendo, but not as good. It's like, oh, you know, Streets of Rage. It's like Final Fight on the Super Nintendo, but not as good. And I'm like, what? Okay. Outside of graphics, in what way is the original Final Fight on the Super Nintendo um, better than, than Streets of Rage? I, I'm sorry, but no. The music is better. You can play as two players. You can have, like, like I believe, either 12 or 15 different enemies on screen at the same time where the Super Nintendo only allowed for two or three, I believe. Like, it's not even a, it's not even a, a contest, in my opinion. And it just kept going. Like, Contra Hardcore, which is my favorite Sega Genesis game. Oh, this game is terrible. It's so hard. And I'm like, don't you guys love the original Contra and Contra and, Su and Super C and Contra 3, which are also really difficult games? I mean, they may not seem all that difficult to you now, but that's because you grew up on them. You already know where everything is. And this is a new Contra, so you now you think it's really hard. But honestly, to me, Contra Hardcore is no more no more difficult than the NES games or or or, or Contra Three for the for the Super Nintendo. It's just people didn't know the games, so they don't know its quirks or where the enemies are going to come from, and, and they have to memorize it, just like we memorized those games when, when we were kids. Yeah. So I felt there was there was a lot of injustice being done to anything that wasn't Nintendo, and I don't mean just say like. I could literally draw the same argument regarding the TurboGrafx-16, for example. There's a lot of injustice in how that console is treated. It's a really good console, in my opinion. But I'm not very familiar with the system, um, or at least not enough to make a channel and talk about it, or or like how PC games and MS-DOS gaming was completely ignored. Like it, I would say it wasn't until like maybe lazy game reviews that you finally started getting someone who talks about PC games, some someone more more established. Um, it just kind of felt like like um, like we're focusing on this one specific aspect or this one specific company of video gaming and we're ignoring the all of the the the, the options, all of, all of the other systems that 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 comprise gaming. Maybe people were 
talking about what they knew as well, right? So mm -hmm. they they shared their their own experiences and obviously pandering to the the biggest <laughs> biggest part of the audience that they they could find, right? So yeah, I, I think that's that's mostly that the case to with with fair, most youtube channels or even yeah. podcasts and <clears throat> even um news game news outlets as well yeah there's yeah, always fair. a bit of pandering to mm -hmm. towards the, the the biggest chunk of the audience which is fair yeah i, I do understand their 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 um, their strategy i mean i i tend to go pretty niche in my opinion and i do pay for it as let's be honest i don't have a, i don't get that many views or at least not as many as i wish i did um but but it still feels like like it's doing a bit of a disservice. If we're doing these these channels or these videos, I do think we also owe it to ourselves to not just talk about the games we know, but also the games we don't know. Like for example, I keep reviewing all of these modern games for retro systems. I don't yeah. know any of them. These are all new games to me and new experiences. Mm -hmm. And I and I look at them with a critical eye and try to treat them as such. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's a good a good perspective. And and people need these fresh takes on, on video games as well to learn more, right? For, I, I'm all for hashtag seg education. So not just <laughs> seg education, but other companies as well, other, <laughs> other video game companies. Um, game, game education. Game, game education. education, I like that. <laughs> game education, I don't know. Game education. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, people, tweet us at the Sega Lounge and let us know the correct hashtag. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. So you, your <laughs> channel has been focusing yeah. mostly, I think, on on retro video games. Yeah. Uh, but not not only that. So as you just said, you have, uh, and those are some of the the videos that I enjoy the most. Uh, the ones that you focus on uh, newer games that are being released on uh, older systems. Um, from your perspective, which which ones are the ones that uh, you enjoy doing the most? The retro games, the newer ones, the everything. Yeah, like like um, I what I enjoy doing the most are reviews, regardless of whether mm -hmm. they're retro games or newer games. Because when I start playing it, to me, to me, a game is a game. Like like I'm not gonna look at at the year it came out. Although I, I am of course always thankful that, that that new games are being launched for for these old systems. I love that the that the, the Mega Drive is essentially getting more exclusive than the Xbox these years. I, I think that's, that's <laughs> infinitely funny to me. Um, but but I really like the the I really I just generally like games regardless of which year they come out or which system they come out. I often have work friends or, or who ask me, but but Stika, can you can you like play a PS4 game and again and then go to a Mega Drive game like like that and i'm like yeah sure it's fine I mean, a game is a game as long as it's fun as long as i enjoy it like to me both games are, are to me both games are pretty the ps4 is pretty in a realistic kind of way or in a in a very aesthetical certain or if, or if it's like say an, an anime game or whatever in a very in a very aesthetical uh, point of view whereas an 8-bit or a 16-bit game is very pretty from a from a um a 2d point of view a very a very a very a very a sprite based perspective which i also really enjoy mm -hmm. yeah interesting okay uh have you um or considering all the the videos that you've done in the past few years mm -hmm. do you have like uh 
let's say someone just discovered your channel. So yeah. our listeners are uh, learning about you for the first time. Mm -hmm. Which would be the video that you would recommend people watch uh, first? Good question. Um, well, the one that would... Oof, that's a good question. Um, let me think. The, the, the video, that I am, the video that, I'm, that I'm most proud of is actually a bit of a mini documentary on, on Final Fantasy. The one that I, the one that I enjoyed making the most so maybe that, that just shows my fun side or my channel's quirky side the most would be a video on paradise cafe which i'm going to assume you know about the game mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> very a very unique game of ours um but if like if i if i mean just like how is my channel uh in general it would it would probably be like one of my most recent reviews like like um it's what most of what I do is reviews and there, and the, the other types of videos are variations or just, um, just different types of videos. I do to keep it interesting, sometimes interesting to my audience, other times, other times interesting to myself as, um, while I'm like making reviews, sometimes I also get bored of always reviewing games and I'm like, okay, I need to do something else. So let's, um, Let's take a look at marketing campaigns and analyze them from a marketing perspective. Or let's analyze what happened, uh, what happened with um, the Wonder Boy series in Brazil. Or let's uh, let, let let me tell let me let me um, let me show the world how the PC version of, of Golden Axe is the best version ever because you can play as a dragon riding a dragon that shoots dragons. <laughs> while attacking, while attacking thieves that drop dragons, and the and the the, the bonfire is a dragon, and my enemies are dragons, and it's just, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so I those are those seen. are fun. I've, I, I haven't, haven't seen the, that. Oh, you should! So. I've, I've already spoiled the surprise, but yes. yeah, <laughs> you can you can literally change the game and have, and be, be a dragon riding a dragon that shoots dragons. Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so I, I know what I'm going to do next. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my entertainment for the, the evening. It's a small uh, video, don't worry. <laughs> awesome. So, so yeah, what, one of the things that uh, I think we should probably mention, uh, before we started recording, you mm -hmm. uh, realized that I had uh, interviewed someone uh, a few years yes. ago, right? Uh, Fonzie. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, who is a famous... Or infamous, infamous actually, yes. for uh, Paprium, a game which yeah. you have covered uh, in extensively. Length. Yes, <laughs> yes, in your in your channel. Would you like to tell us um, briefly oh, what man. the hell happened to Paprium? Um, <laughs> I, I was actually I, I was actually ready to ask you for his contacts because I tried getting in touch with Fonzie so hard for those videos, but no, to no success. Uh, what happened to Paprium? Honestly, I would say a lot of mismanagement, a lot of pride, um, and uh, a, a lot of uh, feature creep and overambition. Like, as I talked to the developers and learned more about Paprium and the things it was going to have or what it was going to do, like, even if you just put it all on paper, it's going to become pretty clear th that this game is not physically feasible on the Mega Drive. Like, the game was going to have an enhancement chip on the cartridge, 
a very a very expensive enhancement chip, I might add. It was promised to produce graphics on the level of a Neo Geo. At one point, they were considering the game having Wi-Fi connection. Like, like, like it, it was pretty out there. It's at some point you're supposed to start reeling back in and and, and stop um, having these these ideas that yes, they're fun, but they're not feasible. Megalomaniac. <laughs> yes, megalomaniac is another way of putting them. And then when you get to the point where where um, there was a lot of internal strife uh, between the the founders, and then one of them left, and in my opinion, the wrong one left. I'm sorry to say this. Um, and the one that stayed uh, kept trying to implement these uh, megalomaniac ideas while also um, not being a very very good at, at teamwork. Not being very good at delegating tasks, generally, generally maintaining a very secretive and sometimes even hostile environment, it it's it it it's it's it was a mess. It, it it was definitely a mess. And I know it seems like I'm pointing fingers, but it and I know that and I try to be I try to be neutral during my videos. And some of the people who, who I interviewed even praised Fonzie. But it seems to me that he never he should never have a position of power, or at least a position of power where there is no one to reel him back in or no one to keep him controlled. Uh, because from what I've seen, he's actually he actually is very good at his work. He's a, he's an amazing artist. He made that amazing um, Paprium trailer, which I think we we've probably all mm -hmm. seen by now. He's very good at his image work at. at the website was very pretty. The, 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 like everything looked very professional. It, it looked like if you went to their website back then, or or just the way they made their, they they made their images, everything looked like something out of a AAA studio uh, back in 2010 in terms of um, of of uh, visual aesthetics. But <clears throat> but there there needs to be someone who also actually does the work or or who ensures. That projects get finished, and that was Tulio who left the studio, and yeah. from there on, Watermelon kind of became a a, a mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I definitely recommend people check out the what you you uh, your all of your research on this topic. <laughs> yes, it's called it's called What Happened to Paprium. It's there. It's three parts. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I I imagine extensive research. Uh, <laughs> That you, it, it had to be done for, for this series of videos, so uh, the, and interviews the, and whatnot. The, the videos took me almost a whole year to make, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I, kept, I kept working on them while I worked on other videos. Like, I was interviewing people, uh, I was trying to get their context, I was trying to read up on what happened. Then, but the, the hardest part, like, I'm really proud of the videos and I'm proud that they, that they, that people enjoy them, so, that, they, that people enjoy them so much, but. They really were the hardest videos I've ever made. Like, I have hours and hours of interviews and, and like stuff I had to cut out and decide, okay, there's no point in mentioning this part again because this other person already mentioned. But then but then you gotta you gotta like search through hours and hours of audio to find the the, the right person who said the right thing at the right time. It was excruciating editing all of that. Absolutely excruciating. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. <laughs> so people definitely check those out. Um, Sika, there's a tradition here on the Sega yes. Lounge, oh. which is called 
quick shots. Okay. Uh, not alcohol, I'm sorry. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just basically a, a quick fire round. Okay, so okay. I will uh, just throw some words or some phrases at you. And mm -hmm. what I want you to do is to tell me the first thing that pops into your head. Ooh, I feel like I'm in a psychiatrist's office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, welcome to Dr. Casey's uh, office. <laughs> so, are you ready for quick shots? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's start with retro games. Sega. <laughs> okay, that, that okay. was instant. Good one. Uh, and it, that's good because the next one is Sega. <laughs> okay, okay. Now that was that was a because now, now I put in the loop. Suddenly you said Sega, and I thought retro games. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. But the second word that came up was Mega Drive, so I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. Uh, oh, tell me that's the third word. Oh, okay. No, no, no. YouTube. <laughs> oh man, frustrating. So so frustrating. <laughs> Although to, to be fair, to be fair, the reason why I'm saying this is because I launched the video uh, about an hour and a half ago. And according to YouTube Analytics, it's the worst performing video I've had in a long time. So that might also color my my the first word that just came into my into my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, one more before the last one. Okay. And I, I'm gonna have to go with this one. Peprium. <laughs> <laughs> Doomed. Doomed. I'm sorry, people. It, it's not gonna happen. The guys. The guys. The guy's been missing in action for years. The website is down. I know that sometimes the art director says that the game is around or whatever. The guy, and to be fair, Louis Martins, the art director, he's a great guy. I know some people have harbored some hate for him because he, he's very encouraging of the project. You have to understand, he's not, he's not encouraging the project because, because of um, he's a bad person or whatever. He's encouraging the project because he's a really nice guy. And he really wants to see to fruition, but mm -hmm. the game is not going to come out, guys. Forget it. I also pre-ordered the game. I even pre-ordered the manga. I know what's it like losing, I believe, ninety euro or maybe more. I can't remember how much both of those items cost. Um, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> oh, uh, that, that's that's the reality. Of Indeed. Things. Yeah. So last one. Okay. Sticker. Retro corner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very Sorry, good. but that, that 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 one is pretty much is pretty much automatic. Like like uh, it, it, it's like my closing statements on every video. They're they're all automatic at this point. <laughs> hey everyone, thank you for watching. Sticker's retro corner. If you enjoyed the video, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share this video. All that fun social media stuff. You know, just it's 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 automatic. It's it's yeah. complete. I've said it's like, like I didn't make one recording and then use it for all. You know, I say that in every video. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so stick up. We're gonna take a quick break here to okay. hear from our sponsor Nestle. No, okay. Still, <laughs> still haven't heard back from Nestle. Still waiting on that sponsorship. Uh, anyway, <laughs> when we come back, I have another surprise for you sounds this good one's... does it though uh -oh. we'll see we'll see oh crap <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm calling my lawyers. Give me a second. <laughs> no one can help you now. <laughs> look, look, I was young. I was in college. I didn't know what I, what I was doing, okay? Okay? <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We have <laughs> a, a very, very interesting video of stickers. Oh, dear God. Oh, During his God. college years. Uh, no, no, that's not <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, there God. Stick it on well. <laughs> Tired of listening to the same music on the radio over and over again? Wouldn't it be great if you could have a station that played your favorite Sega music and remixes 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? Luckily, there's Radio Sega, an online radio station dedicated to the best in Sega and Atlas music. And you can request your favorites at any time. Plus, Radio Sega has live shows every single day of the week, including a first-hand preview of the Sega Lounge. You can find the full schedule of shows and listen to the station by going to radiosega.net. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. Yes, so you're, you're drinking some water, right? Um, That's allegedly. very important. Yeah, please. Allegedly, yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you should keep hydrated for what comes next. Oh, dear God, no. <laughs> so every week, Stika, all the guests yes. have to go through what I call the Sega Lounge Challenge. Now that you know our guests, it's time to put them to the test. It's the moment we've waited for and the moment they dread. Welcome to your doom. I mean... Welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge. <laughs> Ooh. It can be anything we want, or okay. I want in this case. Okay. Um, this week, I'm going to keep with the, the theme we've been going on uh, for the past few weeks. It's going to be a music-themed challenge. Interesting. So you host your Retro Corner. Right yes. on YouTube. Yeah. So I thought let's let's go um, and have a roulette of retro Sega music. Oh, I see where this is going. So I have, and this is easy stuff, or maybe not. <laughs> uh, I have <laughs> ten clips. Okay. From Mega Drive and Master System games. Okay, that should make it easier. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So all the clips are ten second long. Okay. 10 seconds long. So what you need to do is simply to tell me the game okay. these uh, sound clips are from. So if you can identify the level or the title of the track, mm -hmm. awesome. More power okay. to you, but you just need to get a point. You just need to tell me what game, what game? this okay. sound clip is from. Okay. Super Mario. Let's oh, Sorry. Sorry, what? Is that your final answer? No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it is not. It is not. Okay, so we have 1 to 10, and since this is a roulette, you can uh, just sh choose one number at random, and I'll play one of these. They are all L numbered. Lucky number 7. Lucky number 7. You all go for lucky number 7. <laughs> really? Okay, okay. In that maybe case, you all I'll, fail. In that case, I will go to, to unlucky number 3. 
Okay. <laughs> so, number three, let's take a listen. Oh, that's easy. That's Golden Axe. That's Golden Axe on the Turtle Village, I believe. Second level. So Am I correct? Your answer for number three is Golden Axe? Yes, Golden Axe. For sure? For sure. You're not, you're, you're, not gonna, you're not going to make me nervous. I know it's Golden Axe. <laughs> so, Sika, your yes. answer is... Correct! Yay! Of course! <laughs> the Turtle I'm Village. I'm pretty sure it, it <laughs> is, isn't Village it? Yeah. One. yeah. Yes. Golden Axe. Good job. Well done. Okay. So, number three is done. What's next? Uh, let's go to number five. Number five. Oh, such a good one. They're all good ones. <laughs> Let's take a listen. Fantasy Star, the title screen. No, wait, not title screen. Fantasy Star, the world team. Sorry. It's Fantasy so... Star, the world theme. I know it. Mm. I was a little confused there for a second, but I corrected myself in time. <laughs> I know it, he says. Uh, so your answer is Fantasy Star? Yes, the world theme. Final answer? Yes, that's my final answer. Your answer is... Correct! Two for two! Yes, good job! So hmm. far, so good! You're good! You're you're not getting nervous with with my not at all. questions and all of that. Okay, okay. So let's let's take it up a notch. So three, Ooh. five. What's next? Eight. Just just so, just so we don't say seven. <laughs> <laughs> let's go with number eight. Oh, that's also easy. We're star the shooting star on level one. Restart the shooting star, level one. I, I'm pausing for a dramatic effect. So. Should, I, should I add a little, a little drum, maybe? <laughs> yes, yes, we can have a little drum, actually. No, I like a serious drum. Oh, I'm I sorry. Like... I, I... <laughs> okay. That is correct! Damn right it is! <laughs> well done! Very good! Very so good job! So far so good! So far so good! You're doing great! So, will we have a perfect score tonight? Three for three so far. So, three, five, eight, what's next? Number ten. Number ten. Hmm, I think this is a good one. This is an easy one. Let's take a listen. Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy 1, Wonder Boy 1 for the Master System. I would, say it's, I would say it's level 1 team, but let's be honest, that's, the, that's like the song that plays in almost every level and, it's gonna, and, it, and it drives you crazy. Like, <laughs> that song drives you crazy. It's, you're always listening to it and it's so repetitive. But yes, it's, it's Wonder Boy. <laughs> the it first is. one. Yes, it is. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Okay, almost halfway there. Three, five, oh. eight, ten. What's next? 
Let's go back to one this time. Back to one. Ah, uh, very easy, very easy. Alex Kidd in Miracle World. You know, there's actually lyrics to that song. Yeah, suta kora, suta kora, suta kora. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, so that's correct, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I already gave it away. Very good job. <laughs> five for five. <gasps> We could have uh, a perfect score. I'm going for the record. <laughs> yes, maybe. What's next? Three, five, eight, ten, ten, one. So you have two. fine. Let's let. Let's do yeah. seven. Fine. <laughs> okay, let me just look at the list. Maybe this Ooh. could, this could possibly, potentially be the hardest one. It, it was not intentional. Let's Ooh. let's see. Number seven. I know this song. I know this song. It's from Quackshot, I believe. It's Quackshot, the the city team, I believe. Hmm. Am I correct? Now this one, I'm this one, I'm not sure, but I do believe it's Quackshot, the city team. So this track, this particular track, is yes. from a Disney game. Yes. On a Sega system. Yes. On on the Mega Drive or Genesis. Yes. You said Quackshot. Quackshot. Yes. Starring Donald Duck. Yes, that's the one. The correct game was. Uh oh. Quick shot. Ah, well done. <laughs> there we go. Duckburg. This was yes, the Duckburg the, theme. That's the it. first the, stage. The city yeah. theme. Yeah, I, I will say that can never really click with me though. Yeah, I I know it, it doesn't click for many people. I I actually love that game. I never owned <laughs> this, never owned Duck uh, Quackshot. Uh, my friend lent it to me, um, I think two or three times, and every time I played it the whole game through, and I love it. You're probably not gonna guess what my favorite Disney game on the Mega Drive is. Let's go ahead, try and guess. <laughs> my favorite Disney game on the Mega Drive. Would probably be World of Illusion, but good if, choice. If, if yours is not uh, an evident choice, I would say like uh, the Lion King. No, uh, but it is a good. It is a good. A good try. Uh, Donald Duck and Maui Mallard. Okay, okay. Never I really, really enjoyed got into it. that one. Yeah, <laughs> I really enjoy it. It's <laughs> it's super difficult, but I really enjoy it. Okay, that's a good choice, though. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed it. Okay, so wait, three, five, eight, ten, one, seven, only four left. <gasps> oh, so two, four, six, and nine. Uh, let's go with four. Four. Oh, this is so easy. It's Outrun. I just can't tell if it's regular Master System Outrun or if it's 3D Outrun. Because I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this, but there's actually two different Outrun soundtracks on the Master System. Mm -hmm. uh, four, if you count the FM audios. Yeah. 
but it, it is Ultron. It's not sure if it's the regular or, or 3D Ultron, but I'm going to say regular Ultron. Why? Uh, <laughs> I'm, honestly, well, to be completely honest, because the, 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 the answers so far have been relatively simple, and I don't think you're going to throw a curveball with Ultron 3D, although it would have been a really, really evil curveball. A very evil curveball, but but also a very a very intelligent one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I I I sometimes make these games very 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 hard. Um, oh no! I want to try the hard ones. Not intentionally, I have to say. <laughs> I I threw some curveball balls in there, but it's not intentional. But I I didn't know what to expect from from you, so I tried <laughs> to make it hard-ish. But not too much. <laughs> this is indeed Outrun. This is Splash Wave, which I, yes. uh, if I'm not mistaken, Splash Wave, um, with it being such a classic tune, I don't think this is in Outrun 3D, actually. It, it isn't? Really? I don't think okay. so. I think Outrun 3D has um, Magical, Magical Sound Shower and Last Wave, but not oh. Splash Wave or Passing Breeze, if oh. I'm not mistaken. I, I did could not be know wrong, that. But I, I, think, I think so. I did not know that. Yeah. Don't quote me on that, though. Okay. <laughs> I'm often uh, wrong. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, two, uh, two or nine? Wait. No. How many are we missing? Uh, we're missing three, I believe. Yeah, we're missing three. So, two. Before it was two, uh, four, six, or nine. The, the, no, two, six, and nine. Two, six, and nine. Yes. Okay. Two, six, and nine. Okay. Uh, let's go with the one. Let's go with six. Six. Okay. Another very interesting one. Let's take a listen. Wow! Oh, it's 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 um ah it's it's. I can only think of a Japanese game, which is Nazca. I, I I can't remember the, the the Western name right now, but it's 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 Nazca. Aztec Adventure. Yes, thank you, thank you. That's it. But uh, the Japanese name is Nazca. That's why I, I couldn't think of the Western name. Am I correct? Are you sure? Uh, wait. It's either that or Psycho Fox. Damn it! Damn it! Okay, this one. Uh, can you play it again? I can. I shouldn't, but I can. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> oh, it's either it's either NASCO or Cyclophobes. Let's take a listen. So, talk to me. Ooh. What's the reasoning behind this? It sounds like NAS, like like uh, Aztec Adventure, but but I'm not entirely sure. Sure, damn it. Um, I need an answer. Oh, no, you're killing me. You're killing me. Um, because the sound engine sounds like... Sounds like... Um, damn it, damn it. Uh, I am going to... Okay, am I allowed to swear in your... in your? You are. I can edit this out later. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I am going to say Psycho Fox. I think. Final wait, answer? wait. No. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cyclefox. Let's go with Cyclefox. So your yes, final Psycho answer Fox. is? Cyclefox. Cyclefox. Yes. 
Psychofox. Mm-hmm. You had a choice, apparently, in your head. Yes. Between um, Psychofox yes. and Essex Adventure. Yes. So, Essex Adventure, The Golden Road to Paradise, mm-hmm. was a Master System game released in Japan in 1987. Yes. In the rest of the world, 1988. Yes. Number six was indeed a track not from Essex Adventure, but from Psycho Fox. Oh, that Good was close. Job. Good that job. That was close. That was very close. The title like, like, screen. Yes. Like, for some reason, <laughs> I, I thought of it. Like, I don't know. I, I guess they just have very, very similar uh, high pitches, I suppose. It just mm. really reminded me of Essex Adventure for some reason. Okay. Good save. <clears throat> yes. Okay. Two or nine? Uh, two. Both very easy, I think. Let's go with number two. I, okay. I am pretty sure I know what game this is, even though it's a game I've never played. Or at least never played the Genesis version. Um, I think it's uh, Echo the Dolphin. And I'm not sure because I only played the the Sega CD version, which has an infinitely better soundtrack, in my opinion. But I think this is this sounds like Echo. Am I sure? No, I'm not. <laughs> final answer. <laughs> yes, though I'm not. This this one could 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 I could get this one wrong. So your answer is Echo the Dolphin on yes. the Mega Drive. Yes, though I'm not completely sure. Sticker. Yes. So close to a perfect score. Oh. So close to a perfect score. Damn it. The correct answer is Echo the Dolphin. Oh, okay. <laughs> well done. Well done. Good job. You're fooling me. <laughs> yeah, half the challenge is, is handling the pressure. Number nine is the final one. Okay. Shall we take a listen? Let's go. I have no idea. You said it's an easy one, but I have no idea what song this is. I think they're all easy. I have it, it the answers be. right in front of me, so oh. they're all easy for me. Um, <laughs> you know, this might be a game I've never played before, actually. Well, at least not enough. I have no idea. Do you want me to play it again? Sure. Let's take a listen again. Okay, this is going to sound kind of crazy, even though I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. But those drums sound like something Sega would make, like actual Sega, or maybe Yuzo Koshiro. Um, in fact, they kind of remind me of the Sonic 3 drums, or Sonic and Knuckles drums. Could it be that it's maybe... No, but those don't sound like... like um, those don't sound like a, a, a special stage from Sonic 3, I think. Or, or do they? Oh, damn it. Oh, jeez. Um, uh, this one's difficult. 
Okay, I, I am pretty sure I'm wrong, but I'm going to say Sonic 3. Maybe a special stage, but only entirely based on those drums. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm right with this. I'm pretty sure I'm wrong, in fact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so much for my perfect <laughs> score. <laughs> Uh, this right. I I, I yes. assumed this would be uh, one of the easier ones. Really? Actually, okay, which one was it? Because um, I know for sure that you've played this game. Uh, what is this? No this idea. is a, a stage with a lot of balloons. A lot of balloons. So the correct answer is Balloon Park. From Sonic 3. Oh, which is okay. <laughs> I, okay, that's pretty good. I, 10 I, for I, 10. Amazing. I, Perfect I, I score. Literally, I literally got there just because of the drums. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, this the is, drums are the only this thing. This is a, a competition mode track, so it's one of the two-player tracks uh, oh. stages. So, not the main game, the main one-player game. Oh, so it's, okay. It's a bit, a, a bit obscure in that way but uh man i'm really proud of yeah. myself now like well the drums done. the drums good. the drums i'm like oh these drums they sound like maybe revenge of shinobi or or sonic or sonic tree that, that's that's how my, my mind kept going <laughs> okay well done so sticky you get a perfect score and that means you get the sega lounge seal of approval which ah, i will nice. send to you shortly uh because it's it is a real thing People oh. usually think it's not, but it is a real thing. Oh. Congratulations. And thank you for being <laughs> such a good sport. But yeah, Anytime. well done. Well done. Okay. Just yes. a few uh, final questions uh, regarding your, your, your YouTube channel and whatnot. So what can people expect from, from your channel in the coming weeks and months? Not, not sure if you have anything planned so far ahead, but um, what can people expect? in the you know future near future <laughs> no, no I, I i'm laughing because i just wanted to answer like hardcore pornography <laughs> <laughs> sorry stickers drunk drunk retro corner i'm right i'm changing it's i'm changing its name to stickers kinky corner it's time <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> I'm going to keep Sorry, that good. in, by the way. Oh, I, 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 I hope you do. <laughs> I hope you do. Okay, okay. So, uh, what can we expect? Well, because I sort of ran out of uh, modern games for retro consoles, I've I've been going back to retro retro games, uh, and I'm I've mostly been going back to games that, um, in one way or another, have influenced my my formative years. So just today I put out the Legacy of Kane Defiance review, which is a final game on the Legacy of Kane series, mm -hmm. which was a series of reviews I, I realized started back in 2018, and only now that I launched the final video in that series. So whoops, kind of late there. <laughs> um, uh, next, I'm working on a game on a review of a, of a PS1 game called ODT, which most people have never heard of. ODT stands for Or Die Trying. Terrible name, I know. <laughs> um, it's, 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 the game is basically like a mix of Tomb Raider for the PS1 with RPG elements, survival horror elements, 
and all set in a steampunk world. So it, I think it was pretty unique for a '97 game or whatever. Hmm. Like, like, yeah, it's one of those games nobody ever talks about. Like, I don't think there's even a full-blown review on YouTube. I searched for it. I could not find, like, the most I could find was, like, people pointing the camera at their television as they talked about the game and, and played it. Like, like, but an actual review in what we consider a review on YouTube these days, there's not a single one. So, so, uh, I want to do that. I also have a, an interview lined up. I don't know if you're, if you know this, but there's a, a, a new NES simulator that turns every game into a 3D polygonal game. Yeah. I learned about this next, uh, last week. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, 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 I interviewed the, the, the developer behind, behind that, that, that emulator. Like, like, so he can explain how did he, how is he making this? Like, how does this work exactly? Um, so I, I I'm also working on that. And I'm also, I also uh, want to work, I haven't started working on those yet, but they'll, they'll be coming up sometime this year. Uh, a couple of Dune-themed video games. I mean, we have the movie coming out. I mm -hmm. love the book. I love the book. I love the games. I even like the, the original movie. So, so I want to, I want to do videos on, videos on those. Like, um, I believe the original Dune, I don't know if you've ever played it. it it's also on the Sega CD, not just, not just on the PC. Mm -hmm. But I believe the original Dune is a completely unique game. There's no game like it before or since. Okay. Like, there's, there's nothing like it. Like, imagine a game which mixes point-and-click adventure with a Warhammer Total War, I suppose, or Total War game, I guess. Like, can you even imagine a mix of those genres? Yeah. <laughs> like... You can walk around cities and, and talk to people or walk around your palace and talk to people. But then you also like command entire armies and, and invade, invade like uh, opposing lands and like, or, or like mine spices mine for resources. But then, but then again, you can also talk to people and, and you can also walk around and talk to people and, and you have a point and click inventory. And sometimes there's a few puzzles. Like there's absolutely no other game quite like it. It's completely mm -hmm. unique. So I I've never played that. it actually. So maybe well, when you put, all, put up your, your <laughs> videos about it, maybe I'll I'll give it a try. I would recommend the Sega CD. Uh, I would recommend the PC version, but if mm -hmm. you if you're more comfortable, the Sega CD version is is not bad either. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. So that and the kinky corner stuff as well. So that's what people can expect from. <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. Oh, I, I, and I already see the Sega seal of approval. Yes. Sega yes. Lounge with approval, I mean. <laughs> Very good. It's an actual seal. Very uh, pretty, yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Sika, well, one more thing before you go. Uh, two, actually, two questions. One of them. Yes. Being, um, one of the things that I appreciate about your channel, and maybe I think almost certain how I find out about your, your channel, uh, mm -hmm. you've been covering those newer games on older systems mm -hmm. um you've you've talked to developers something that i also like to do on on the sega lounge uh have people on on the show to talk about those newer games on older systems something that interests interests me a, a lot but why do you think there is still um both an audience for those kinds of games or those platforms and mm -hmm. also an interest from developers in making games for so so old, uh, such older platforms actually, and, and maybe 
considering that not all uh, people have access to these consoles, uh -huh. why is there such a strong interest still in making things, making games for these consoles? Well, that's um, well. This whole thing started when um, sorry um, when Watermelon uh, launched Pure Solar, which for those who don't know. It's an RPG for the Mega Drive, launched in 2012, I believe, or 2010. I'm not sure now. And it's basically the game that kickstarted this fad of um, creating games for older hardware. But here's the thing. When that came out, I think people were kind of in awe that it existed at all. So, so a lot of people bought it. And it created this, um, and it created interest for other developers to do the same because, let's be honest, despite Watermelon, uh, completely f going belly up with, with, uh, Peprium, the truth is they made a lot of money with Pure Solar. I mean, I don't know exactly how much, but from what I understand from my interviews, they made it, they made six digits at least. So that's pretty good for any developer, like, Like, if you're an indie developer and you put a game on Steam, a lot of times you're lucky if you make it to four digits, to $1,000. So, so, so suddenly, uh, uh, a lot of devs might, might have realized, okay, wow, um, there's an audience for this. So, like, I, I can also try this. And they did. And that creates a sort of, um, um, how should I put this? A sort of, um, vicious cycle in which uh, developers want to, to put up games because apparently there's a market and it also generates buzz and interest because uh, people want to see more games for the Mega Drive. So that's the developer side. There, There's there's people interested in them and the, a lot of them are, are Mega Drive fans. Like, okay, I know the way I described it, it, it makes us sound like the devs are opportunists, but they're not. It's just they've discovered that there is this audience, this market or this niche that they didn't know existed before. And there's not a whole lot of competition, especially because they don't have to compete with AAAs. Whereas if you're a developer and put your game on Steam or whatever, let's be honest, you're not going to make it very far competing with Electronic Arts or Ubisoft or Activision. It can be difficult. So, uh, it, it, so they go for, for, in my opinion, a smaller, but easier, but maybe not as competitive market. Um, but a lot of them will probably also grew up with the system and or, or grew up with retro systems and they they like the idea of recreating games on the hardware that, that they played when they were kids. So there's also that uh, that that um, that embellishment uh, embellishment uh, uh, aspect, which which I'm sure is also a very good motivator for creating games for for retro consoles. Mm -hmm. As for for the gamer side, well. The issue with a lot of modern games is that they can be so long. Like, <laughs> like, let's be honest, the people who are playing these games on retro consoles, they're like in their late 20s or mid 30s, sometimes 40s, maybe even more than that. They're adults, and we adults don't have that much time to play games anymore. And when a lot of games these days are like, Oh, 100 hours investment or 200 hours, you know, your, your, your Skyrims, your Breath of the Wilds. And sometimes you just want something simpler. Give me a 2D game. 
give me a sonic jumping, give me a contra, just give me something a bit easier. And the fact that it's that you're also playing on a on a console you grew up with is also kind of cool. It's it's nostalgic, not just because it's like a um, a recreation of said console, like the Mega Drive Mini or the Super Nintendo Mini, but it is the actual console. Mm-hmm. Then there's the fact that it's also really cool that you're seeing new games for a system that you thought was dead, and those new games will often have modern game design sensibilities. Which, let's be honest, in twenty or thirty years. Game design has evolved a lot. So, so when you play, for example, something like Tanglewood for the Mega Drive, and this is something I mentioned in my review, like there's no real, there's no, there's no other game like Tanglewood on the Mega Drive. You might say Prince of Persia or Flashback, but game design wise, they're very different. Yeah. Game, game design wise, Tanglewood feels very modern. Definitely. It was very recent. Like when you're playing Tanglewood, it feels like you're playing Limbo, for example. I don't know if you've ever played. It. I don't know if you've ever played Limbo. Yeah, uh, it's it's a very it's a very modern approach to game design, and and it works. It's different, and and it it also helps stand out. Uh, it also helps Tanglewood stand out from 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 its competitors within the Mega Drive space. Uh, its competitors being the old games, of course, the ones we played before. On the other hand. You also have games which really try to push the system, like Xeno Crisis, which is a really pretty game, a very well-sounding game, and it pushes a lot of sprites and bullets. So, mm-hmm. so like, it's it's just it's it's really cool to see how uh, how modern devs would approach their 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 development uh, cycles or game design philosophies onto a hardware that was never designed for to accommodate to. To today's to, to today's uh, style of game design, I mean, let's be honest. The Mega Drive is based on an arcade board, so it was made to to pretty much create arcade games. So I think it's a it's a really unique um, it creates really unique experiences on the console, and I I think people people sense that they can sense that, okay, this is a pretty interesting approach to a game, and especially to a game on the Mega Drive. Like we have Demons of Estaborg, which is uh, basically a Metroidvania. In development for the Mega Drive, you have like like I mentioned, Zeno Crisis, a great shooter for for uh, top down shooter for the Mega Drive, which looks and looks and plays way better in my opinion than Super Smash TV on the console. Um, and then you have Tensor, which is amazing. Tensor is like a mix of Strider and a shmup, and the game is amazing. It's Tensor like, is is amazing, yeah. <laughs> then if Tensor. If Tensor like Tensor has probably become one of my all-time favorite Mega Drive games, like not even modern ones, just so fast-paced. It's, it's, it's it, I love it. Yeah. Like it, there's nothing like it on the Mega Drive. Like you, you can you can mention Strider, or you can mention Shmups, but there's no no game like Tensor. Tensor makes us both concept into one, mm-hmm. and and it's amazing. I love that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think people, uh, you you make a good point. People. Um, kind of feel with these new games um get a feel of what could have happened if yeah, instead yeah. of getting uh the saturn the playstation the the xbox uh what what could have happened if we kept those systems those 16 bit systems or 8 bit systems for and if they had a longer life cycle like instead of uh 10 years almost 
what would have happened if we had <laughs> the, mega, the mega drive for 20 years, right? So what could developers come up with to push Net the, 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 the hardware, right? So it's kind of what's, what's happening right now. Uh, it is, it is. Over 20 years later, what are people creating still for these old consoles? I, 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 I just want to see like um, a polygonal game for, for, for the console. I'd love to see that. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you've seen, like, the issue is, I, I actually, now, now that I think about that, I should do this. Uh, like, review games that modern ports for the console that will never be sold because they don't have the rights to it. Like, have you played the, the Wolfenstein 3D port for the Mega Drive? Nope. <laughs> it's, it's, it's super good. Like, like, it has no right being as good as it is, in my opinion. <laughs> like, 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 I was reading the development cycle of the develop of the, the guy who, who made the port. The guy the guy's amazing. Like he discovered that um you could force the Mega Drive into a resolution which was not designed for. So basically you could you could like a, a use some exploits to so that the console could do some things that the developers did not intend it. So basically by having the console run at a lower resolution. Uh, and then applying a few other tricks, he he's been basically been able to create a, a pretty impressive port of uh, Wolfenstein 3D, and in my opinion, graphically it looks better than the Super Nintendo port. Mm -hmm. Like awesome. it's really impressive, and <laughs> and, remember, and remember the Super Nintendo actually has hardware sprite scaling and hardware sprite rotation. So the Super Nintendo has, in theory, has the edge uh, should have been, should should have the edge, but it doesn't. This port is amazing. It's a, a classic case of how people uh, use the limitations. You know, limitations spark creativity. Right? Agree. So Agree. That's what happened with music, uh, yep. especially on the the Mega Drive, uh, mm -hmm. and that's what keeps happening with these newer games. I think they because they now people know that if they try hard. <laughs> And not, yeah, not that yeah. they didn't back in the day, but back in the day that the companies uh, moved on into different hardware. So now devs and these younger people also find these creative ways of uh, pushing past those limitations. And yeah, yeah. Awesome although, stuff. although developers they do have do have a lot of advantages that they didn't have back then. Like you oh, have yeah. the internet, you have the internet to to, to help you uh, code games for uh, help you search for 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 solutions to problems you find. I also know... There's a strong community behind this. Exactly what I was going to say, yes. Almost every Sega developer, you, you, you'll see this day, this day making games for it. They're all on the same Discord channel, for example. And they're all constantly helping each other out. So that, that, that's also, that, that also creates a sense of community and it makes the games better as a result because they're helping each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good point, good point. Awesome. Oh, oh, and also, sorry, um, a lot of projects back then had really tight deadlines. Like a lot of games oh, yeah. had, had to be made in like six months or, or eight months, whatever. Whereas now the, the, the developers can take like a year or two, maybe three years, you know, just basically working on the game at their own speed and, and at their own pace. And, and some of these games are just hobbies as well. Yeah, exactly. So there is no deadline. <laughs> Indeed. So that's that's an advantage. Even for music, I'm actually um, one of our upcoming guests is a, a very 
well-known and loved uh, composer of music for Sega games in the 90s, and he had to deal with very tight deadlines at mm -hmm. times for iconic games even. And they were like, <laughs> you have uh, X amount of weeks or Y amount of <laughs> months yeah, to yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah. That, that... I, I, I want more. No, no more. Just this. Do it. So. That's the that's the 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 feeling that I got from a lot from from reading a lot of interviews on Sega sixteen and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so that brings us to our final question, which Ooh. is actually quite uh, appropriate. I always ask this question of my guests. Okay, you remember? Um, actually, we we didn't have that uh, marketing campaign here. But in the in the U.S., the Genesis was advertised as having blast processing. Genesis does. I guess the blast yeah. processing, yes. And the yes. blast processing, which was not a real thing. But let's say for the sake of this question, blast processing is indeed something that makes things more powerful. So if you could add blast processing to anything in the world, what would it be and why? I would probably add it to the Sega Genesis Omega Drive, so it would have twice the blast processing and twice as much speed with Sonic, and so it would leave Super Nintendo in the dust twice as fast. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're we're going we're going we're going super speed here. We're going Sonic speed. Genesis does. Uh... <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I joke, but but um, but I've actually seen people mod their their Mega Drives to run at twice the clock rate, and it actually produces some really interesting results. Like, you know that game um, Hard Driving? Mm -hmm. It actually becomes playable. <laughs> no, it, it actually runs super smooth when 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 you when you overclock the console to twice the frame rate, so it becomes playable. Like, now you have a polygonal game on the Mega Drive, and it runs fine. Awesome. Yeah. So they're like like I wouldn't be surprised if this became like a thing in the future if this if this um trend of making retro games uh, for retro games for new consoles continues like like you know the, the, the game overclocking the console. Yeah, the the thing about hard driving is it was so cool mm -hmm. that it was hard driving. Yeah, no, that's true. no G. So that's true. So cool it was really bad. That's true. <laughs> awesome. That's a great answer. Sticker, thank you so much for coming on the show. Anytime, anytime. Uh, people should check out the description, the show notes, all the links to uh, the YouTube channel, the socials, all of that. You have a Patreon as well, right? Yes, I do. I have a Patreon. Do you and, uh, want to yeah, briefly mention what, that, what that's about? Uh, well, the issue is when I when I started, like, I know it may not seem like it, but running a YouTube channel is actually more expensive than it seems. Um, like, like when I started out, it was basically me using my my uh, my phone my phone as a microphone, and like capturing video on on those um you know those uh very very questionable. Uh, thirty euro or thirty dollar uh, HDMI to SCART converters. <laughs> yeah, that, that was basically my initial investment, like thirty euro, like thirty for front of those conversions and making a video, making videos using my phone as them um, as a microphone. Mm -hmm. But like, 
I was never too satisfied with the quality. Even today, I still feel, I still see a lot of things that can be improved with the video, with my videos. And but the issue is improving my. I've got to a point where if I want to improve my channel further, it's going to require uh, tools that are expensive. Like I already bought a microphone, so I sound better and I have to use my phone. I I bought a, an XRGB mini frame miser, which for those of you in the know, they're super expensive. But the, the, the video capture quality improved substantially. I bought the Elgato, which allows me to, to capture directly from the Elgato, but it's also expensive. Um, right now, I want to buy a camera for the segments in which I film myself or film the games uh, so that they look better on, on, the, on the video, because right now I'm still using my phone for that. And as many of you might notice, my live footage does not look the best because phone cameras... Yeah, they can film me, but they're not made for that. Let's be honest here. <laughs> I want to get a better microphone than, than the one I currently have. Like, I still see a lot of things that need improvement, but the issue is it's getting to a point where where the the pieces that I needed that I need are getting expensive. Like, an actual an actual uh, decent microphone will cost you at least three digits, but then you also need the the, the sound a sound converter, which is another three digits. Uh, an actual good camera. I'm going to assume it. I haven't, I haven't searched prices yet, but I'm going to assume it's at least 250 or 300 uh, for, for actually good quality. So it, it, it's just, it may not seem like it, but after a while, these things starting up. If you had like the price of the camera, price of the microphone, the soundboard, uh, plus the other things that I've already, I've already gotten to improve the channel. I, I just realized at one point, yeah, I'm going to need help for this or, or else it, it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Makes sense. So people can get some nice rewards, right? Yes. Uh, some Depending on the content. Yes. Uh, actually, exclusive content. I was kind of adamant about that because I'm like, I I always I, I I didn't want to exclude people who who don't pay who don't pay me on Patreon. Like like the the concept behind my Patreon was it's not to punish those who don't pay; it's to reward those who do. So, so that's why I don't put any exclusive content on the Patreon. What they do get is, is some extra goodies. Like, for example, I've designed t-shirts for, uh, based on, on jokes or in jokes on, on, on some of my past episodes. Like, for example, there's a, there's the, the, the Golden X episode, which I really suggest you watch. It's, it's hilarious in my opinion. And I made a t-shirt based on that. I have, I have a t-shirt in which you save the world with a team of six, uh, transgender Sean Connery, which is ba based on my um, on my um, uh, pool of radiance review, I've also created several pen USBs, and if I send them to you, they actually have like uh, my channel's theme song. But the theme song is in Mega Drive, Master System, and, uh, and NES formats and Super Nintendo formats as well. So mm -hmm. basically, if you put those files on an EverDrive and then you put them on the console, it's going to run the the theme song. Awesome. So like yeah, so like you can actually put you can actually, if you want to can actually put my theme song on an EverDrive, and then if you just want to listen to some music instead of playing a game, you're gonna to listen to my theme song on your Mega Drive, and it's gonna run exactly as it should. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So 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 yeah, that's, that's pretty much uh, the, some yeah. nifty rewards for people who are willing. Yeah, to, yeah, I, I think it's to cool. support like, the channel, right? Yeah, I think it's cool. Like like, yeah. like I said, I, I I want to reward those who support. Instead of punishing those who don't, that's why that's mm -hmm. and that's why I didn't want to 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 cre to create exclusive content for 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 the Patreon. Mm -hmm. 
That's a good point. That's interesting. Very good concept. So people, <laughs> check out the link in the description of the podcast for info on how you can support Stickers Retro or maybe in the future Kinky Corner uh, <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> but stay tuned for that, for more news on that. Sticker, thank you very much for coming Anytime. on the show. Anytime. And uh, yeah, please come back. Uh, we'll, we'll have to talk a little bit more. I, I could go on for hours. <laughs> If we do talk more, I'm going for a 2020 score on 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 your on your okay. your, your, your roulette game. Yes, yes. Let's keep let's keep tabs. And so we're I, I, currently I, at, I, at ten. So next yes. time we'll, we'll start with eleven. So yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I am going for the high score. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Anytime, anytime. Be sure to check out Sticker's Retro Corner on YouTube and definitely check out that Golden Axe video. You really can be a dragon that is riding a dragon and shoots dragons. Gold. Thank you for listening to episode 116 of the Sega Lounge. I do appreciate all the support that you guys have shown me. One of the things that I tried to add to this new podcast format are those Sega-related fake ads in the middle of the show. You might have noticed we haven't had one of those in a couple of weeks, and that's mostly because I've been incredibly busy and tired. Work, family, the podcast, my live Radio Sega show, Mondays at 8pm UK time by the way, tune in. They have all been keeping me very busy and I'm finding myself having less time to come up with these ads. I apologize for that, but I want to ask you, the listeners, for suggestions of funny or clever ads for Sega-related products or in-game places. If you have any ideas, send me an email to kc at radiosega.net or DM me on Twitter, at the Sega Lounge. If you're not subscribed to the show yet, now's the perfect time to do it. If you want an easier way to find the show in whatever platform you want, just head over to our official website, thesegalounge.com, and you'll find all relevant links. And if you're a Sega fan and know other Sega fans you think would enjoy the podcast, why not tell them about the Sega Lounge? Spread the love, people! I have a few exciting interviews lined up for the coming weeks, so please come back next time for another great episode. For now, it's time to close the doors of the lounge. Enjoy your week and stay safe. Until next time, bye-bye! The Sega Lounge, hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of live shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opusciencecollective.bandcamp.com. Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to kc at radiosega.net. Follow us on Twitter at The Sega Lounge. You can find previous episodes of the show by going to thesegalounge.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded.